The first ever Manchester derby was all the way back in 1881. For much of the intervening period, the Red Devils of United have ruled the roost, but not anymore. In the last few years, City have lauded it over their old foes, playing breathtaking football and winning trophies by the lorry load. While Pep Guardiola is pushing for the Premier League title once again, Ralph Rangnick is trying to drag United kicking and screaming into the final Champions League spot. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. From breathtaking football to breathtaking betting, we have number crunchers who would put Carol Vorderman and Rachel Riley to shame. Mark O'Hare is with us. Uh, Mark, we wondered at the start of the season whether United might be able to close the gap a bit this season between themselves and City. The answer is a big fat no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think 19 points between the two teams at the minute, isn't it? City chasing back-to-back -back league titles, were Champions League finalists last year, possibly will do again. Uh, United, I think it's almost five years now without a trophy and it didn't look like they're going to sort of get their hands on one this season either. So yeah, the gap is as big as it has been previously. City dominant, really, but um, we can see that in the market going into the match on Sunday. Uh, I think they're a minus one and a half goal handicap favourites in this match which kind of goes to show the, the difference in class but it's a weird fixture of the Manchester derby particularly over the last sort of six or seven years uh, home teams don't tend to prosper which is really quite a bizarre really uh, the derby's won, been won by the home team just twice in the last 13 Premier League matches if you include the League Cup the derby's been won by the home team in only three of the last 17 meetings between the two teams which is kind of weird and almost unheard of, particularly the fact that United are chasing a, a fourth successive win at the Etihad across all competitions. Um, so, I mean, yeah. that seems crazy, doesn't it, considering that City are a lot better than them, <laughs> but they do keep showing up in derbies. It's, if anything, as a United fan, you'd be quite annoyed, wouldn't you? Because you'd think, well, if you can show up against probably the best team in the country, what about the rest of the games? Yeah, it's a real head-scratcher. And, you know, you look at the prices that City have gone off at and been chinned at in this derby, um, you know, it's not too dissimilar to what they are on, on Sunday either. So, you know, there's a warning sign there. But, yeah, for United, um, obviously Solskjaer had something good going on in head-to-heads with Pep in terms of sort of containment and counter. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to work to the same extent on Sunday because the role of Ronaldo is, is up for discussion, uh, particularly in a match like this where you do... Assume that you need to be quite handy in transitions. United should enjoy that extra space afforded to them when they do turn over possession. But Ronaldo's role in terms of pressing or or kind of uh, you know playing on the counter attack is is limited these days, and his goal output has dra dropped dramatically too. So. Yeah, it's a tricky one, uh, I think, this weekend. Um, personally, uh, I'm not getting involved, but if I was, I'd be looking towards United with a big handicap start or potentially opposing a high goal line, which is set at three, because I do think United have made incremental improvements, particularly defensively. They're not the shambles they were under Solskjaer. The issue really has been finding uh, the back of the net and kind of turning those opportunities into goals. They've dropped points against Watford, Burnley, Newcastle and Southampton and, and failed to take their opportunities in the majority of those matches. But they've won the XG battle and generated uh, 1.5 XG in 10 of their 13 games under Rangnick. So they are doing something right. It's just um, kind of putting it all together for 90 minutes, which has been the issue. Uh, I mean, it, it's worth saying they were absolutely outclassed in the Old Trafford match. It was 2-0. It could have been 6-0. Um, but United away from home tend to be 
um, sort of more respectable, I think. Um, they've scored in all 17 away games across all competitions this season, and they have only lost once in 90 minutes under Rangnick. So, um, yeah, I'm not, I don't expect them to get obliterated in this match. I think they can be very competitive, but kind of all eyes on the team sheet and how they set up tactically. Betting expert and odds compiler Mark Stinch comes with us once again. Stinch, it's interesting what Mark says about Ralph Rangnick coming in. And I know there has been scepticism about his record and his impact, but he can't put those chances away. And they have created chances in most of the games that he's been in charge for, but they just haven't been scoring. Yeah, I think it's like why we love football, really, because it's, you know, it's no guaranteed success, even if you create these high quality chances. So I think it's just a matter of time, really, for it to the click in terms of them converting the chances. I mean, you know, they've got arguably world class players missing these chances. And that's not something that, that can continue. Um, Do you I'm... see a step forward from where they were under Solskjaer to where they are now? Do you see a step forward? Um, I feel like it's still a bit too early. I don't know if that's like okay to say that, given the fact he's presided over, I think, the best part of 20 games. But yeah, just, I st- you know, it's been different games, different competitions. And I think because the games come thick and fast, um, he's had to swap players and, uh, around. And I think um, having different players play means like the system is slightly different as well. So yeah, for me, it's a it's a bit too early to say. And, and to be fair, I think it's still likely that he leaves leaves he always moves upstairs right at the end of the season so yeah just yeah not really not really sure what to what to expect to be honest um but that's kind of my angle in this game um i'm going to try and follow up last week's um sort of big winner at 11 to 1 with an with another kind of um hopefully a, uh well a better at a good price or a big price anyway so i'm going to bat united having said everything i'm going to bat united at a 9.4 on the exchange, um, Mark kind of painted the picture, but United have won nine of the last 19 meetings going back to 2015. That's by far and away the best record of anybody against this juggernaut that is Man City. And if you bear in mind that Alex Ferguson left in 2013 and City won the league in 2012, i.e. we're looking at like nearly a decade of United severely dropping off what they were doing and City, as I said, having been this juggernaut. Winning nine out of 19 is ridiculously impressive. And the fact that five of those have come at the Etihad, I just I think it's almost amazing. Um, can't go get too carried away because I'd be accused of praising United. Um, but and it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, Solskjaer's won four of them. Like, what? How? How, how has he managed that? Like, it's it's incredible. But yeah, it all comes down to odds at the end of the day. And the fact United here are uh, 9.4 on the exchange or 7 to 1 on the sports book. United have won odds of 6 to 1, 7 to 2, 7 to 1, 8 to 1, 15 to 4, 13 to 10, 6 to 5, 3 to 1, and 9 to 5. So you can even see how those odds have increased over time. That the the ability between the sides has just increased but United has still been able to be competitive in these games not as if they aren't creating chances or I mean the the style of the games is fairly similar you know they do sit back and try and contain and counter but we've seen success sustainable success under other managers the likes of Simeone has done that and to be fair Solskjaer has done that um, against other teams he's won uh, away at PSG He's won away at Chelsea. 
Um, and I know it's not Solskjaer now, but obviously, you know, a lot of he was there for a, a long time um, while United, as we think, have been poor. So it is quite a good barometer of uh, how they are able to win these games, even when they're not expected to. And, you know, we touched upon that United looked have to have been moving in a positive direction in terms of creating chances under Uranjic. So I think there are sort of green shoots, but again, I'd say it all comes down to price and the fact they were six to one here last season. They're now seven to one. I know obviously fans are back, but um, I think it's uh, a higher class of manager United now have in charge. So I think arguably that increases their chances. Um, difficult to say too much negatively against arguably the best team in the world but I did, did try and look for little things that maybe that aren't sort of in the in the mainstreams had a look at the different sections of the the city the makeup of their team obviously they don't play with a um, a striker as such or, or somebody that regularly plays in, in in the in the lone striker position so I look through midfield defense and it and the keeper if you look at uh, probably their best midfield in De Bruyne um, he's only got four assists though, so far this season. That's versus 16 last season. So I've not watched a whole amount of him, but potentially there might be a drop-off there. Uh, Ruben Diaz went off at half-time against Peterborough with a slight knock, and he's kind of been lauded as the guy that's kind of changed their defence for the better since he arrived at the club. So if he's not available or he doesn't make through or he might still have a slight knock, that could be a big miss. And then even just looking at Edison, he's posting a, a negative post-shot expected goal figure of minus 1.5 this season. You look at previous seasons and they're all in the positive, uh, 2.2, 2.5 and 5.5. And and we know De Gea in the opposite, uh, in the opposite net is posting 10.7, which is completely off the chart. So that's not sustainable, but if that would were to happen on Sunday, obviously that it gives United a, a very good chance of um, at least avoiding defeat. So, yeah, obviously a big risk back in anybody to beat Man City, but there just seems to be this spot, this fixture, this atmosphere, this rivalry. We know how uh, a derby sometimes, you know, what we know kind of goes out the window. And uh, in, although I haven't said that, what we do know is United are capable of winning against City and are capable of winning at the Etihad. So, yeah, taking a chance at uh, a big price. I like it when Stinch gets punchy. Remind us what that 11-1 to winner was, Stinch, that you mentioned. Uh, it was Dominic Telford to score uh, two or more goals last week against a Tranmere team that were massively overperforming. And they shipped four. And, uh, yeah, he managed to get him. I think uh, the second goal came in the 91st minute. Um, so, yeah, a nice late winner. Terrific. A surge of adrenaline right at the end. Now, we know how frustrating it is. When you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair is now offering no cash out suspensions on match odds over under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Two teams need three points for very different reasons on Sunday at Vicarage Road as Arsenal make the very short trip to face Watford. Uh, Stinch, Arsenal only have the Premier League to focus on, put together three straight wins. Um can they return to the Champions League, do we think? Are they actually going to do this? I think if you look at their fixture list, it's arguably easier than uh, some of their rivals. But I, I, I think Mark's going to come on and, and tell us that uh, against the lesser teams, Arsenal are very, very good, which um, you know, can completely accept. But um, yeah, just uh, a struggle. I'm not sure how they're going to cope. I know Aubameyang hasn't been there a lot of the season, but I just don't feel they've got somebody reliable to put the ball in the net. Um, 
Smith Rowe has been very, very good, but he doesn't always play. And also his like um, efficiency is, is a difficult one to to maintain. Um, and yeah, I think Lacazette is is getting on a little bit. Um, and um, Enketia, he's leaving at the end of the season as well, I believe. So yeah. I'm not sure if he's going to be in the right mindset um, to to kind of take advantage if uh, if he comes on later late in games for for Lacazette. I think defensively they've uh, they've improved, but uh, I think it was hard not to with uh, some of the personnel they had. Um, looks so Ramsdale long term is going to be the the answer, and at at sort of 25 million, if he you know if he's at Arsenal for the next sort of five six years, that's probably going to look very shrewd business in the end. Um, I think um, him his relationship probably with Ben White um, probably comes from um, you know, training together at England so that's probably uh, you know very good as well um, so so yeah I think it's probably all in Arsenal's favour I think they are the favourites for the top four um, but I wouldn't want to uh, discount um, either of Spurs or Man United to be honest given the, the players that they've got um, probably harsh if I don't mention West Ham but I think West, West Ham will uh, have their focus on the Europa League How, however having said that obviously Severe is going to be a very difficult team to negotiate, especially over two legs. So they could find themselves um, that just focusing on the league, essentially, um, going and forward. And the FA Cup now as well, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, the FA Cup this week. it'd be very, very interesting to see the, uh, the FA Cup draw, which hasn't been made yet. Um, so... Yeah, I think um, it's still massively up for grabs. So if you can make a case for any of the teams um, and the price is higher than you expect, then um, yeah, I would I would uh, jump on board. Yeah, Mark, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because Watford's were hoping for this bounce under Roy Hodgson, hoping to tighten up, hoping to look a lot better. They don't really, do they? Uh, it depends which way you want to try and frame it, really. Uh, I know they should have been beaten by Man United last weekend, but... They did scrape a point and it has been a bit of a mixed bag, but kind of predictable too in terms of a Roy Hodgson team. He's had six games. We've already had two nil-nils and we've already had two one-nils. So clearly I think there's been improvements made in the defensive structure and the organisation and the foundations of that team. Uh, I think if you look at the team or the defence individually, uh, various kind of uh, middling, shall we say, mediocre individual personnel, but collectively has made them more difficult to beat but the issue has been um this you know their their attack has suffered uh, they've not been producing in the final third and they've not been creating but they've also not been converting uh, it's only small samples but they're averaging less than one expected goal per game they're averaging only around five shots in the box under Roy Hodgson as well and the opposition hasn't been too taxing uh, in terms of who they played Burnley West Ham Brighton United Palace and Villa um okay there's some reasonable defensive teams in there but Watford do have some match winners in that squad it's just Hodgson is refusing to kind of release the shackles a bit which is a bit of a concern because at the moment they need to score goals to win matches to get out of trouble uh, it's no point kind of playing for draws at the minute they need to start actually engineering some something better in the final third and I don't think he'll be willing to release those shackles against Arsenal I think he'll be respectful of the opposition and that's a concern I think they've only scored two goals in seven games uh, I don't think they're going to find chances easy to come by against an Arsenal team who have improved immeasurably defensively throughout the campaign uh, if you take out those first three games of the season when they're a bit of a rabble uh, they've only conceded multiple goals five times in the Premier League and they've kept multiple clean sheets as well along the way so I do like Arsenal's potential here to go and get a result uh, Watford do 
um, host and own the, the worst home record in the division. Uh, I mentioned on the Saturday show their record against the best teams in the division, 14 defeats from 16 uh, against 12th and above. Uh, the two games they avoided defeat were against Man United, one of which was uh, the dying embers of Solskjaer's reign, which was a complete car crash, and the other which they really should have lost. Um, and actually Arsenal just tends to engineer results against the, the lesser lights. If you exclude the top four, They've won 14, drawn three, and lost just twice in the Premier League this season. And actually, if you exclude the top three, which I think we all agree are the breakaway and, and the best bit three in the division, uh, Arsenal are top of the league in terms of points earned and also XG process too. So um, I think there's a lot to like about Arteta's team. I think they've come a long, long way. Uh, there's a, a good feeling around the club at the moment. They feel quite bullish about their prospects for a top four. Uh, I wouldn't say they're going under the radar, but certainly I think they're kind of enjoying uh, not being talked about in the same breath as Spurs and Man United, and they just continue to sort of grind out results. I think the victory away at Wolves in the last away day was quite a statement, actually, quite an impressive performance, and they've done that a few times recently too, so quite happy to side with them. Uh, alongside under three and a half goals, I should say, which is odds against. Um, I don't expect this being a thriller. And if you do follow Mark in there, it's worth bearing in mind our excellent multiples offer is running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. Now, we love a bit of Serie A on this show. Uh, both of the guys have a selection from Italy's top tier. Stinch, I'm going to start with you. Cheers. I'm looking at Venezia v Sassuolo. Um, Sassuolo are 23 to 20 to win. Um, which I thought might be a, a tad big, but it's quite difficult to trust them because they've only won nine of their 27 games this season, despite the fact they sit 10th. Um, They're so weird, aren't they? Because yeah. they win all the big games and then the rest of it, they fall to pieces. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Six of their, their nine wins have come against Inter, AC, Juve, Lazio, Fiorentina and Verona. It's It's just... <laughs> One of football's weird but wonderful uh, traits, which is it's very, very bizarre. But one thing they are consistent for is scoring goals. So what the bet I'm actually looking at is Sassuolo to score over 1.5 goals at 5-6. to six. I think this is like a, quite, quite a nice way of um, basically taking advantage of them being good but not relying on them having to win. Um, they've scored two or more in 12 of the last 16 away games and they're fourth in the league for shots away from home so um, it's kind of in keeping that they do score a lot of goals because they take a lot of shots essentially um, and Venezia have conceded two or more goals in 11 of 13 games against the top 10 and they actually concede the second most shots in the league at uh, nearly 17 per game so if you've got one team that's conceding a lot of shots and another that's taking a lot of shots I don't think we're asking too much for for the team taking a lot of shots to get a couple of goals and I say five to six I think is quite attractive um, the front four of Sassuolo I think are looking really good um, you've got Berardi, Scamacca and Raspadori that have scored 28 goals between them and um, Hamed Traore on the other side he's got three in his last four so he looks to be coming into a little bit of form and um, you know you look at the we talk a lot about expected goals and that I'm not going to bore people with it but um, you look at the expected goals for attack and defence for both these teams and they're actually completely in line with what we're seeing so there's no over or under performance so um, if these two teams play to how they've been playing all season I think this should go go close that sounds like a very reasonable and actually quite exciting bet, I have to say. Uh, Mark, what are you going for? 
Yeah, um, Fiorentina versus Alas Verona is the one that stood out to me on Sunday. Um, Verona did the business for us last weekend against uh, Venezia, who Stinch was talking about. Um, Venezia had a bit of a, an early onslaught in that game. They weren't able to make their, their pressure pay, and, and Verona made them pay for it. And grew into the game really well. Giovanni Simeone getting a hat-trick in a, in a 3-1 win. Uh, enjoyable match to follow. Uh, it meant uh, Verona have now scored at least twice in six of the last eight in the league, and they've only failed to score on four occasions across the whole campaign. Uh, they do get their suspended defenders back this week, but you know the way in which they defended throughout the campaign, uh, I'm not imagining a, a huge improvement. Still just the three clean sheets all season, none of which have arrived on the road. Uh, Verona's away record, uh, conceding 1.92 goals per game, and conceding two or more goals in eight of those 13 matches away from home. So immediately you sort of look towards goals in Florence, and, and I think over two and a half goals, Surprising to me is trading on the exchange at 1.8. Um, it's already won in 20 of Verona's 27 games. Uh, both teams have scored in 21 of those 27. Um, and yeah, I just think it should be shorter than it is because um, either of these two teams could cover the line. In fact, they're both, when they're in the mood, really good going forward. Um, not quite sure how Fiorentina's game with Sassuolo last week only ended 2-1 because it was you know, terrific end-to-end. Just you attack, we'll attack and see what happens. 21 shots in the box and XG well over the four mark. Um, Fiorentina, though, Back on home soil, we'll be keen to put things right. Um, we'll possibly be a little bit jaded, though. They played Juventus, their bitter rivals in the Coppa Italia semi-finals on Wednesday night. Uh, Vlajevic going back to Florence, you know, a bit of a, an emotional affair. They lost that match, so mentally, physically, they might be a little bit jaded and possibly worth opposing. But even still, you'd fancy them to get on the score sheet. They scored in 21 of 26 in the league, just the six clean sheets. Uh, Piontek, uh, Ikone and uh, Cabral. Uh, has shown signs of life, sort of trying to replace Flyovic in recent weeks, which is encouraging. And over two and a half goals has already paid out in 11 of 12 Fiorentina games in Florence so far this season. So getting 1.8 uh, on a league which we know delivers goals between two goal-heavy teams who like to attack, yeah, that appeals to me. Stinch, you've got an interesting outright bet that you've picked out for us. Yeah, a bit of a quiz question to start with. So it's Serie A, uh, Inter a third with 55 points from 26 games and uh, two points behind Napoli who are in first um, with a game in hand. What odds do you think both of those two are to win the league? Oh, I'm going to pass that one on to Mark. Mark, what do you think? Which, what price is what was? Uh, what price? Pay attention, in- Mark. <laughs> 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 what price are Inter to win the league versus what price are Napoli to win the league, given that Inter are two points back but have a game in hand? Uh, I think Inter are odds on, are they? Yeah, I think um, Inter about five to six or something like that, and Napoli about three to one. Yep. Inter... Is that because they're champions, Stinch? Do you think? Is that a track record thing? Because yeah, I think a little bit of it. I think a bit of like recency bias. You see it in um, other sports as well, where a competitor, if they've won the previous tournament, the, the market is, or maybe not just the market, but I think obviously that's where most of the stakes come. So then they're like artificially shorter because obviously part of being a bookmaker is managing the risk. So um, yeah, I just thought there's too big a disparity there, to be honest. Um, yeah, you get Napoli at 4.0 on the exchange and Inter around about 8 to 13. So I just think quite a big uh, difference there. And I think, um, I'm, and the reason I'm kind of looking at it now is Inter sort of stumbled recently. Um, no wins in four now in Syria, and they haven't scored in four games in all competitions, which I think is quite worrying. Um, and you, you look at a bit deeper into a what only one point ahead in terms of expected points. So it goes to show that you know Napoli do 
deserve to be up there. And in actual fact, Napoli have got the best defence in the league and the best defence based on expected goals against. And there's kind of always that eight-old adage, isn't there, about defences you know, winning titles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just think Napoli are worth a go, um, at, given the, yes, I say, the big difference in in prices. Um, Fixture-wise, I think both are relative, relatively um, comfortable fixtures remaining, other than a few big games. So Inter have still got to go to Juve and play Roma at home. Napoli have got a massive game this weekend at home to second place uh, AC, uh, and then have to go to away to Atalanta and also home to to Roma as well. But as I say, I just thought, uh, you know, four odds of four against odds of, I say, like 1.7-ish. Just thought it was like quite a big disparity. And I think it could be, you know, Insignia and Dries Mertens both likely to leave this summer. And it could be their kind of swan song. You know, both legends, I, I would kind of say now uh, in, in Neapolitan eyes. So it could be their sort of way to both finally sign off. Um, Insignia obviously grew up at Napoli and has been a big part of everything they've tried to achieve in terms of winning the Scudetto. You know, he's not won the Scudetto yet, so this could be the final one. And, and Dries Mertens is actually Napoli's you know, record goal scorer, um, which I think a lot of people forget, given the fact that Maradona and Cavani were both there and scored a lot of goals for them. So, yeah, um, I think it's something decent to cheer on. And uh, Inter plays Salernitana Friday night. Um, so... Even you could maybe even wait till after that game with Inter likely to win, and you'll get an even bigger prize on Napoli. Now, if Marco Hare is paying attention, he's going to take us to Austria. <laughs> I was trying to find a price. Oh, um, I see. Um, Same old excuses, O'Hare. Pay attention uh, at the back. Uh, you're going to call me out again because I'll probably get the pronunciation of this team wrong. Uh, Ride, Reed, Reed. Reed, yeah. Um, yeah, Austrian Bundesliga. Reed are playing Strom Graz this weekend. Over two and a half goals is trading at 1.8. That's too big. Um, we've sort of highlighted something similar last weekend in the era to VC. The market moved massively in our direction before the game. I would expect something similar here ahead of the match on Sunday. Um, just the raw numbers first. The Austrian Bundesliga slightly down on usual years. 2.9 goals per game, 54% matches going over two and a half goals. But here we've got first versus third in terms of goals per game output averages. Uh, uh, Reed averaging 3.24, Stromgratz 3.5. Uh, the home team has seen both teams scoring in 16 of 21. They've scored themselves in 17 of those and kept just three clean sheets. Uh, Gratz have actually only failed to score once and they've scored multiple goals in 13 of 21, including six of 10 away. Um, now, actually, if you pull the two teams' home and away records together, Overs has copped in 15 of 20. Both teams scored in a 15 of 20 with an average of 3.35 goals per game. And it's not just the raw numbers either. The expected goals numbers also back this up. Uh, Strong Gratz are actually generating around about two expected goals per game themselves, which is second only to, to Salzburg. Uh, with matches averaging around 3.1 xG, um, which is obviously really positive. Uh, they look to be the comfortably the second best team in Austria so far this season, but uh, Reed should be a decent, um, decent enough game for them. They're mid-table, but uh, at home they always come to the party, score goals, and give teams a good battle. They actually scored twice uh, against Salzburg at home around November time, and, and if you look at the underlying numbers for that day, uh, they obviously created plenty. So I expect them to do something similar here. Uh, so yeah, just combine the two teams. Both like to attack over two and a half goals is 1.8. I uh, wouldn't be too surprised if that's 1.7 come Sunday. 
Well, sadly, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Every single Premier League and Champions League game gets its own dedicated preview on our site, betting.betfair.com. Loads of Cheltenham Festival content on there too, from Stinch, from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now.